Hey, Crossings Podcast community. This teaching is called Waiting in the Time Between and is the first teaching in our Advent Word and Table series. It was taught by Brad Campbell on November 28th, 2021. Thanks for listening. Our Old Testament reading for today comes from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety, and this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Our New Testament reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. How can we thank God enough for you and return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all the things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So, the season of Advent. It's a season that the church has practiced for 1,400 years. It's a season that Crossings has observed in some capacity for a decade or so. And it's a season whose themes of waiting and longing echo throughout the entire story of God and Scripture. It is a season that many of us, frankly, patiently await each year. We love this season. Yet, when the question, what is Advent, and why observe Advent, is asked, 
It can be difficult for us to answer. Whether or not you have observed the season of Advent for yourself or in the context of a church or faith community, it's easiest to situate it in its relationship to Christmas. And where many communities or churches will focus on a four or six week series on the birth narratives of Jesus and on the themes of joy and gift giving and generosity, Advent situates situates us in the tension of a liminal space, a space in which one thing is passing into another thing, a space in which the longing of Israel characterizes our own longing for peace and justice and restoration. It's a space in which the old covenant of Israel will pass into a new and better covenant. And because Advent is a liminal space, there are some stops that we must take along the way. It's important to understand that each stop we will make on our journey through Advent toward Christmas teaches us a way of being in the world that has the power to give us deeper hope, deeper faith, deeper joy, and deeper peace. So today, as you heard the passages read, we look to the apocalypse. Fun. The prophecy from Jeremiah that we read signals the coming of the fulfillment of God's promise when all shall live in a time of shalom and justice. This era of shalom, as we all know, has not yet come. We live in a time between two shaloms, the beginning and the end. The coming Messiah was meant to usher in this age of peace and end war and end suffering And yet, in our gospel reading from Luke, Jesus says that such a time has not yet come. And instead, Jesus declares prophecies of distress. This time of distress of the Son of Man's return is not far away in the future, according to Jesus, who teaches, Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Now, reading this sentence from Jesus plainly or literally, it certainly seems like Jesus is saying that his return will be imminent. Yet here we are, nearly 2,000 years later, and the second coming of Christ has still not occurred. So, was Jesus wrong? Our impulse when asked that question is to quickly answer no, And we want to rush to an explanation of how uh, this surely was not what Jesus could have meant. We want to say, as we all too often do, that's not what Jesus meant, in fact. We're not good at waiting. We rush for answers. We rush for explanations. But to be seasonal, let's engage Luke's text using an Advent hermeneutic. Now, hermeneutic is simply the word that we use uh, to describe an approach to an interpretation of Scripture. Thus, in the season of waiting, in the season of Advent, we must hold off from the immediate jump and the immediate reaction to making sense of these Advent texts. They're difficult texts. So instead, let us wait. Let us sit with the discomfort that these passages bring us. Was Jesus wrong? What would it mean if Jesus were wrong about this? His generation certainly did pass away before seeing him return, descending in a cloud, as Luke says. 
These questions are not easy for us to sit with, and yet they are important questions to ask, especially for that generation to whom Jesus was speaking. Imagine yourself being a part of that first generation of Jesus followers. Jesus has promised that he would return, and now people, friends, family, members are dying, and understandably, the church is a bit confused, a bit distraught. These questions that we've been asking, these are the same questions that the community in Thessalonica was asking as well. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, which many scholars believe is the first letter that Paul wrote, is about addressing the issue of false expectations of Jesus' return and of Jesus' uh, resurrecting powers. Jesus was expected by this community to have come back before their generation passed away. And now people are dying, and the community is concerned largely about the place that those who have passed will have in the coming kingdom. When is Jesus coming back? Was Jesus wrong? Is Jesus coming back at all? Has Jesus left us alone with our death and our suffering? Words from today's psalm surely capture some of that anxiety. Psalmist writes, My God, I put my trust in you. Don't let me be humiliated, nor let my enemies triumph over me. And what enemy is more triumphant than death? Weren't you supposed to come by now, Jesus? Weren't you supposed to come save us? These are the questions that come up when we use our Advent hermeneutic. Paul's response to the Thessalonians is simultaneously theological and pastoral. Further on in his letter, he addresses the community's fear about those who have already died and uh, affirms that they will experience resurrection and have a place in this coming kingdom of God. He also acknowledges those feelings, those deep feelings of grief and helplessness and powerlessness that accompany that feeling that God has abandoned or forgotten us. Do you feel that too? He declares that we wait with faith and hope. And to wait with faith and hope is to acknowledge that the waiting is not pointless. It is to believe that the waiting will be worth something. In addition to cognitive belief, waiting is a time for emotiveness or feeling. We see in Paul's letter that he himself is waiting to see this community in Thessalonica again, his friends. But his faith influences the way that he waits to be reunited with them. While apart, he reaches for that feeling of joy found in each other's presence And he says, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Here, Paul is naming the joy specifically of community, but he's also naming the fact that he simply misses his friends. He simply misses his connection to this deep faith community. Waiting 
is a time to look around and to recognize that all is not as it should be or could be. Waiting is a time to lean into these feelings of longing. It is a time to lean into feelings that not all is right and that there is something better to come. It is a time to dream. It is a time to imagine. And when we wait, though it seems that death and suffering run rampant and unrestrained through our world, we dream of shalom. We dream of being reunited with our loved ones. We dream of a time when God is going to make everything all right. To echo the words of Jeremiah, we dream of a time when God's promise is fulfilled and all will live in safety and flourishing. We dream of a day when God will bring peace and justice and righteousness and wholeness and restoration throughout the entire earth. So Advent for us is a time to stop and to hesitate. It is a time to dig in to the comfort, uh, to the discomfort and seeming incongruities that scripture presents to us. It is a time to linger with questions rather than rush to answers. These delay, these moments of delay or disruption create space for us to feel. So in these coming weeks leading up to Christmas, may we all pause and look around. May we notice those things which are and those things we wish would be. Certainly, we believe in Christmas and the theologies of incarnation and of God's presence with us and in us and through us. But we also believe in the not yet. We hold on to those feelings of discomfort and doubt. We believe in Christmas, but let us also believe in Advent. And what does it mean to believe in Advent? To believe in Advent is to believe in waiting. And may our waiting be full of dreams for a better world, full of God's justice and love made present to all. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.